I want to get into our passage this morning. It's taken from 1 Kings. This is a very interesting um, passage. 1 Kings chapter 2 is where we pick up. Now, 1 Kings chapter 2 sees the end of the era of King David. King David is on his deathbed. He has run out of energy, run out of power, and he is in the process of dying. And eventually, in this section, he passes away. Here's the interesting thing about this time in the history of Israel. There have been two kings in the history of Israel. King Saul was the first whom the people wanted. Remember, if you remember the story of King Saul, he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. He was a powerful warrior, a charismatic leader. He was the obvious choice to be king of this new people, this new kingdom, the kingdom that the people wanted, to be like the other nations. And so Samuel, the prophet Samuel, anoints King Saul at the direction of God. King Saul runs into trouble and is replaced by King David, who God picks as a young child, a young man, and will reign for some 40 years. David is called the king after God's own heart. Not to say that he was perfect, he certainly was not. He had his problems, he had his troubles. The world is constantly moving, life is constantly fluctuating, and he constantly had to make decisions on how to adapt. Some of those decisions were right, and some of those were not so right. As he is in the process of dying, he has selected Solomon, who's not his oldest son. But he's next to the oldest. He selected Solomon to be his heir. Now this was fairly normal in other areas, in other kingdoms, in other lands, with other people. But in Israel, this was not the case. This was new. This was a new uh, dynamic. This was um, the changing of the guard, the, the, the transition in power was not just expected to come peacefully, from one generation to the next. People didn't know what to expect. David had a suspicion that there were enemies still out there. His enemies, Solomon's enemies, enemies of the people, enemies of the state, traitors who betrayed him, people who would like to be king, who would like to rule, rivals to Solomon. And if you've ever seen the movie Godfather, Leanne and I actually watched this movie again. It was on TV. It's, our, it's one of my, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's one of my favorite movies. It, it's, it's so well done. But at the end of this movie, there's this powerful scene where Michael Corleone, who has assumed the role of the Godfather, the Don of the family, and he's at a baptism, a private family baptism. And while he is at this religious, um, holy moment and ceremony, all of his enemies are being executed and assassinated. And so as he's taking the, the vows 
of the Godfather, this child's Godfather, that he will resist evil, someone is being killed. That he will reject the powers of this world, someone is being assassinated. It's an incredible, powerful scene. And if you read this section of the end of chapter 2 into chapter 3, you can see where the director and the writer picked up this scene. David directs Solomon how to get rid of his enemies. And he directs him how to do it. Who to take care of. Who to get out of the way. Who his threats are, his enemies are. And so when you read that section, it reads very much like watching that last closing scene of The Godfather. Now with that being said, this is the, the context that we find Solomon. He's assumed the, the, the throne. He is the, the king of Israel. But there's no blueprint. There's no expectation of how this transition of power takes place. It's, it's like a vacuum, and people are waiting to take advantage. He's never been king. He's watched his father succeed and fail and succeed more often, but he's never actually had to do it. His mother has propped him up. The prophet Nathan has propped him up. He can't stand on his own. And he's too young to understand really a lot of this. And this is where we find Solomon, the new king of Israel. Beginning in chapter 2, verse 10. Then David slept with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. The time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned 7 years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David. Only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on this, his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. 
Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We can kind of see Solomon has taken the throne. And one of the first things he does is he goes to offer these things, these sacrifices of thanksgiving at this altar, this high altar that's in Gabeon, not in Jerusalem, but it's about two and a half, three miles away from Jerusalem on this mountain. This mountain has a history. This mountain is where David executed seven sons of Saul as punishment for the blood that Saul let in Gabeon. Broke the promise that he, the covenant that he had with the Gabeonites. This is the high place. This is a high altar, a huge stone. And this is where Solomon goes to offer these sacrifices. And we, he, it takes days to offer thousands of sacrifices. And here he is asleep and he has this dream. And God approaches him in this dream and has a conversation. He's in prayer with God, having a conversation with God. And God asks him, what can I give you? What can I do for you? Opening the door wide, Solomon could ask for whatever he wanted. And he asked for two things. It says he asked for an an understanding mind, but a, a better translation might be a listening heart. The heart was the organ and the locale of where decisions were made, where passion was kept. And he wanted a listening heart. Decision-making organ organ that listens and hears, that has passions. And he wanted discernment to know right from wrong, good from evil. Well, this pleases God, and God grants him, and then grants him more. You know, when I was a, a boy, I used to go hunting with my grandfather and my dad, and there was a group of men that used to go deer hunting, and they would get up early in the morning, and we would have to drive, so we would get up at like, my dad would get me up around 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and we would drive down south to Wakulla County, and we would go hunting. We would get to the, where we're, the lane we're going to hunt around 5. It's still dark. And we would look for tracks, deer tracks that crossed the road. And they, they hunted back then with, with they had hunting dogs. And so they would find the biggest track they could find, the freshest track they could find, in, 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 in an area where they could kind of hopefully box fence things in. And then they would gather up on the best track that they could find, and they would put three or four dogs out to chase the deer around in the woods. And people would fan out and go down roads and try to fence the whole, the whole game in, if you will. Well, I remember when, inevitably, whenever they would put the dogs out, the dogs would go. And inevitably, they would cross the road and get out of the fenced-in area. And they would be gone all day. So you're good for one hunt. 
Whatever happens or doesn't happen, one hunt a day is that what you're good for? Because you're chasing dogs down for the rest of the rest of the day. And I, I can remember my grandfather, who was um, probably well into his 70s, maybe even in his early 80s, and he he would, we, he would he would get in his little truck, and I would be with him. We would we would race down this dirt road at breakneck speeds, and he would stop at a corner and get out, shut the engine off. And, and, and just pull one of these outside the, get out of the truck and just, and he would say, I hear, that sounds like Artie. That, that's drumstick. Drumstick and Artie are, are down by Tiger Hammock. What are you? Okay, so we get in and we start flying down towards tar, Tiger Hammock, wherever that was. And he gets out and he cups his ear and he's listening. That's RT, not that's not that's gal dog, not not drumstick. Well these are the names of his dogs. And 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 he can tell from their bark, he can tell from their pace which dogs are which, and where they are and where they're headed. And he has a listening heart. Because he's listening where the dogs are le- are taking him. And he knows them. And he cares for them. This is kind of what's happening with Solomon. He wants a listening heart. He wants to be able to hear the petitions and the needs of his people. But he also wants to hear God's will and word for his people. God's people. And have passions that are led by God. To be able to, to stop in the middle of everything and shut the engine off and just be able to listen in the stillness of a morning. To discern the direction. That's kind of this image I have of this listening heart. And that's what Solomon's asking for. is to be able to know, to be able to be led, have his passions led by God. Now, keep in mind, Solomon was fairly young, very inexperienced. And this is what he asked for. Not power, not status, respect, none of that. He wants to be able to lead with discernment and wisdom. He wants to be able to lead with a passion for his people and for God. And he knows he can't do it by himself. He knows he himself is he's not equipped. But he knows who can equip him. He knows God is capable. That God is steadfast in his love for his father, David. Steadfast in his love for God, for David's people, for God's people. That will translate for Solomon. So I think as Solomon offers this prayer, engages in this conversation with God, we can certainly walk away with some good news. See, we, we know when you read the rest of the story of Solomon, he doesn't stay upright. He doesn't follow faithfully 
the statutes and ordinances of God. He falters. He falls. He builds many palaces. He marries for political influence and power and reach. And eventually he'll build the temple. But we know that he wasn't perfect. We know that he faltered. He stumbled along the way. In his 40 years of reigning as king of Israel, he stumbled and the people stumbled with him. But in this prayer, we have an ideal Solomon. We have an ideal king asking for what's proper, asking for what's needed, what's required. And we have a God revealing God's self, giving what is needed, what is required for this changing, fluctuating landscape. So maybe for us, if we can discipline ourselves to to offer an ideal prayer like Solomon offered, knowing that we too are broken and will falter, that we will stumble, but we can offer this prayer for discernment, to know what is right from wrong and good versus evil, and we can, we can ask for and, and, and expect God to give us a listening heart, an understanding mind to make good decisions for the people around us, for our families and our colleagues, our friends and our neighbors. We can take this good news that God gives broken people, imperfect people, what they need, what we need to navigate, to make decisions and discern right from wrong and what's evil and what's, what's good have a listening heart, an understanding mind, to know the needs around us, to have passions to meet those needs where they are. So maybe for us, like Solomon, we just need to, like my granddad, stop the car once in a while along the way turn off the engine, get out, and make life as still as we can and listen. And maybe in our listening, we can, like Solomon, begin to ask the right questions. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.